Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Elizabeth Rome, how are you? I'm so good, Rebecca. It's so nice to see you. You look gorgeous on this quarantine day. Oh, thank you. You know, this show gave me an excuse to do my hair and makeup instead of just like living in sweats and no makeup. It was a great excuse. I feel the same way about doing my live every day, although I have to admit that I have gone on to my live in my bathrobe. But what are you going to do? You know, the masks are off right now. The masks are off, even like, CNN newscasters are broadcasting from their homes. So everybody's doing exactly what we're doing today. It's the new content. I mean, I'm reading article after article about the new world, but I don't think anybody really knows what it is. And we're only in this moment now. And this is content now. This is. And now is the only time we have, right? Because the past and the future are totally fiction. Exactly. Exactly. We're constantly detaching from our pain story of the past. <laughs> yes. And whenever people listen to this, even if it's in a hundred years when we're, when we're gone, it's going to be now for them. So now is the only time that is. Exactly. No, it's true. I mean, even really powerful old books like Think and Grow Rich, you know, if you listen to a recording of it, it's still so relatable because the things we need and want, the things that we long for, the things, the mysteries of life are always, they're timeless and they're always relatable. I love Think and Grow Rich, the first self-help book ever. So cool. Ever created. And here we are in that tradition. So let me, let me tell my audience a little bit about you. You have an incredible background. You are an actress and you have starred in so many cool shows like Angel, Law and Order, The Last Ship, Stalker and Jane the Virgin and award winning Oscar nominated movies 
like American Hustle and Joy, both directed by David O. Russell. And you're coming out in a new movie. Has this already been shot, the one with Melissa McCarthy? Yes. So it's called Starling. But again, you know, I have a new movie coming out on Lifetime in July. And, you know, there's just, it's uncertain when uh, it's called Sleeping with Danger is going to come out or Starling is going to come out. And Ted Melfi is an Oscar nominated director for Hidden Figures and just incredible incredible soul um and i loved working with him but i don't know what the plan is for that either so you know i I think that's uh the entertainment industry right now is a bit of a moving target like every other industry it's true but thank god you have like two movies shot in the can before all this happened yes exactly so the world won't forget (laughs) they will not forget (laughs) as i'm I'm sheltering in place they will not forget um that i can act (laughs) no you can definitely act and you have even written a book called baby steps about your journey to motherhood so you're an author and an actress that is and a writer i heard you on ig live talking about a screenplay writer too as well as a book yes i just tried to do that during the quarantine for the first time because i have written um a couple of books and the idea of taking the experience of being an actor uh the millions of scripts i've read over the years and trying to turn my love of writing towards my industry my you know my my the bigger industry that i'm involved with on a daily basis seems so intimidating because when i look at people like directors or screenwriters, I have such respect for them. You know, the idea of just saying, oh, I'm just going to try to be a screenwriter today. But there's never been a better invitation to try something new than to be uh, sheltering in place at home. That's <laughs> so right. I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to learn something new. I got the I got final draft and I sat down with a friend and we wrote a screenplay and we turned it in yesterday <laughs> to our representation. So we'll see if they like it. We're sitting on pins and needles. Congratulations. That is so amazing that you took this downtime and created something beautiful like a screenplay. I love it. So I did some research about you and I know that you grew up in NYC and then you went to boarding school in Tennessee, which is kind of near my neck of the woods. I grew up in Cincinnati. Okay. So I want to know, did you have culture shock growing up in the big city and then going to high school in the South? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, not to get too heavy, but um, my mother warned me about some pretty big stuff I might face, like, for instance, racism. You know, so, yes, I, I it was a big culture sh- shock. The idea that, you know, people still refer to us Northerners as Yankees. And believe me, I love the South, so I don't say this in any derogatory way, nor do I throw a blanket of any sort of um, consciousness over any region of any kind. But um, yeah, there was, um, and believe me, all of those issues are issues even in the Northeast, as you well know. So that's just a human issue. Humanity's got issues. But um, yeah, it was really uh, beautiful. It was outdoorsy. It was like going to Outward Bound and high school all at the same time. We went hiking and mountain biking and camping, and it was a really wholesome couple of years for me. And then I went back to New York when it got very unwholesome for a while. And then you went to Sarah Lawrence. So were you there when Joseph Campbell taught there? I wasn't, but I have to say I'm a big fan. And he, he, you know, his teaching there had a big impact on me wanting to go there because I went there to become a writer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an author. My mom had gone to Sarah Lawrence. She, she was a writer. 
And Sarah Lawrence is known for being a really strong school for authors and creative writers. So I went there to pursue that. And I was very inspired that he had taught there, you know, like the hallowed halls that Joseph Campbell had walked through was very inspiring. But, you know, to talk about some of the stuff that you and I both really believe in, I mean, you know, following your bliss was an imprint that I felt at that time, you know, at 18, this earnestness, you know, to, to be purposeful in life and to, you know, sort of stand like naked in front of the world and like bear yourself in a sense with all your heart and soul to what make a difference, to make an impact, to, um, to love fully, to be brave, to draw outside of the lines and to be here now, you know, to sort of reference Eckhart Tolle, but what we were talking about the, you know, the quarantine to be here now in this moment. Um, I think this is a really great, opportunity and invitation to become more grounded than we've ever become because we're going to as you probably have felt over the last couple of months we're going to we've been going through all of these different stages of grief and in a weird way a bit of death and dying you know because we're letting go of the things we associate ourselves with then we have to reinvent how we would make money how we are going to do our daily life and you know and with that you know probably is some good closure on some past stuff that we've needed to sort of process and detoxify and let go of. So it's so funny you say that because we were supposed to have this interview two weeks ago, but I was rushed to the hospital with an emergency gallbladder surgery. So so I feel like, Oh, it's okay. I feel like on a micro level, my uh, gallbladder was like toxed out and infected and I did it to live. (laughs) I had to take it out of my body in order to live. And now my whole digestive system and everything is kind of refiguring just Mm. like the world is. And it's like, if something's no longer serving us, I really think the universe is going to get rid of it. And it is tragic, the, the death toll and everything that's happening. But if you look at the good that's coming out of it, people are really like you said, being in the moment, being brave, thinking outside the box, slowing down, the environment is writing itself and fish are able to swim in waters they've never swam before. And it's just, there's so much reconfiguration happening that I believe will ultimately be for the highest good. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously it's a, it is a terrifying time and, you know, learning how to process and sit in the discomfort of anxiety and fear and, and these are all lessons of mastery that, you know, we all go have to go through in different times in our life when we lose a loved one or, you know, we hit rock bottom in our lives or whatever may happen or financial disrepair for a moment. You know, so, you know, we, we have to find our steadiness in the ups and downs, you know, through, through the times that are great and the times that are difficult so that we stay sort of steady and unchanged. And it's a consistent line like in ourself that we recognize that we recognize ourselves so you know that we're not like you know one minute we're high the next minute we're low the next minute we're high you know because that's just so hard on the soul to like you know be so unsteady like that um i know you came to one of my talks about chaos yeah i've, I've gone to all your talks so i want to tell my audience no thank so- you this show is called Balance Beautiful and Abundant, and you're all three, so you're <laughs> the perfect guest. And you have been holding community lectures that are free, that are uh, at a retail store where you're a clothing ambassador, Respect Your Universe. And you have assembled the most 
interesting dynamic uh, panels of different speakers. And what I really was struck by is, yes, I love your topics like chaos, but the people are all people in your life. So you're in a town like LA, which is a big town that can be kind of cold, the entertainment industry, notoriously cutthroat. How have you created this community of beautiful people in your life in a town like LA? Well, you know, my mom told me as a kid, she said, choose your friends carefully because we become like the people we keep company with. Mm. And I remember when I left Law and Order in 2005, and I was really proud of myself that my friendships all re remained the same, right? We don't really know. We try our very best to pick the right people. Sometimes we play the fool. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we were shocked and appalled at how someone lets us down. Um, but we do try our best, right, to love and to receive love. But, you know, there's always disappointment. But I was really lucky. I think I was happy to discover that the majority of my core friendships really stayed the same. And I guess I guess because at the heart of what I believe, I believe my relationships are the most important part of my life. You know, I've been ambitious. I'm still ambitious. I mean, I've used the quarantine as an opportunity to create new businesses and I wake up early and I want to win and I want to succeed and I have all of that desire, but I know at the end of the day, I'm not going to be just defined by that. Mostly I'm going to be defined by, did I make the people that I love feel loved? Mm -hmm. And does anybody love me back? Mm, That's why that. I had such a deep connection with David O. Russell as a filmmaker, because it didn't matter if he was making the fighter or silver lining playbook or American hustle or whatever it may be. He was telling a story always with a family at the center mm. as fucked up and pathological and complicated and raw as all of our families look as loving as, as fragmented as we try to, you know, we try to overcome all of that right. in order to try to stay united. Um, but it, but it's complicated. And so I think, that's always been a big part of my foundation is friendship. And I have a very strong core of women in my life, but there's, I have always felt much like success. There's always room for more. You never have to be jealous of anybody's success. There's so much money and abundance in the world. There's so much for you. You don't have to worry about that. There's plenty. You don't have to compete or bottleneck with people or, or covet them or be jealous of them because there's enough for you. You have to work on yourself to become some uh, magnetic receiver of success. And, and the same thing goes with relationships, not choosing relationships because of what they can do for you, but how do they fill your cup? You know, do you leave that person feeling jazzed and, and alive and positive and maybe less attached to all of these trappings of life? Or do you feel like, Oh, that was exhausting. That. I love that. You know, I wrote about that in a book uh, that is all about the seven pillars of success. And it's called How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. But it's really a book about work-life balance. And there's no such thing as neutral energy. People are either enhancing your energy and they're lifting your spirit or they're draining your energy. And you know, sometimes you don't know when you're with them because you're caught up in the dynamic, but you know how you feel when you get off the phone or when you leave that lunch date 
how you feel sitting in your car if somebody's lifted you up or, or drained you. So I love that you speak into that. And I love that you speak into abundance because, you know, they have the old paradigm of Hollywood and, oh, there's so many beautiful women and there's only so many roles and there's so many roles, so few roles for women over 40. But I know that the climate is changing and that women are stepping up and they're taking over and they're producing and they're directing. And I love that you have the mentality that you don't have to compete with other women, that there's plenty of work to go around. And I think that's, that is, that does have a lot to do with, you know, the blessing that I have felt, you know, in the last two months of doing the, being in the coronavirus um, pandemic, I've done a talk every day on my Instagram live. And that's a lot, that's a tall order, right? Mm -hmm. Every single day for six weeks. I mean, more than that, nine weeks. Wow. And I've been really proud of the fact that people have said yes and wanted to come on and it felt safe and that we could have a, a real conversation. And um, I think that that's partly because I really genuinely feel for the people I care about, you included, that I want you to thrive and succeed. And the whole idea behind doing the live event discussions was my recognition when I looked out into the world, if I could just stop thinking of myself for a second and really look at people in the eyes, not to get a smile back or some cliche nonsense like that, but really recognize them and see what's in their eyes. I, I see a lot of unhappiness, mm -hmm. not that, you know, they don't have great moments of joy or enthusiasm or success, but just maybe a sense of what we're all struggling with in our life, which is this mystery of life. You know, um, is this all there is? Is this as good as it gets? I mean, the high doesn't feel that high. You know, how much money is enough money? Where, what is joy? What is love? You know, all of it, you know, the mystery of life, it's um, weighing on us every day. Yeah. So the idea that we could talk about that in a real way, it was a proposal at first, like an experiment. I'm going to invite six friends. Let's talk about a topic. And the topic is um, courage. Mm -hmm. Well, my point of view of courage, because I have different stories than yours, is going to be different from your point of view of courage. And together we can have different opinions and we can discover our relatability. And then, you know, we'll have more compassion for each other, more respect. And you know how it is. I mean, when you tell the truth about yourself, you have more self-respect. Right. So that sort of self-respect and mutual respect of others' differences and sort of our similarities as well coming together, it just felt to me like if you could make a public spectacle of what it feels like when two girlfriends who tell each other no lies and they really talk deeply with the intention of filling each other's cup, if you could make that a live event, then maybe we could all heal each other with a sort of uh, some more integrity. And that was my attempt. And I, I think it's worked out. I think that's beautiful. And I know that it's a spiritual principle when we're focused inward on self. It's like the country song, I am always on my mind. <laughs> like there's no happiness there because like you said, you get caught in the ego and like how much is enough? Like you get into what I call never enoughism and over there is I'm like, I'll get, I'll be happy when I get that, you know, when right. I get that check or that role or that house or, and it's just a, it's a losing battle. 
But when you put your focus on being of service and focus outward, like you're doing with your daily uh, Instagram lives. And for my listeners, what is your Instagram handle? So they can listen to this beautiful, uh, not even experiment now. Now it's a full on show every day at one o'clock. What's your Instagram handle? It's Elizabeth, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, Rome, R-O-H-M. And yeah, so I'm doing that every day at one o'clock Pacific Standard Time. But um, when, before this is over, I am going to start to do those panel conversations as a Zoom event. I'm trying to figure it out, but I'll keep you posted. I, I just have to figure out how to make it a good experience for people. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's actually a really great idea. So let me ask you a question. You've been doing these daily interviews for nine weeks and every day it's been a different person, right? Or is it just, yeah, I've made, I've made, I've asked a few people to repeat. Um, well, maybe they're about to repeat. I've begun to look forward into June and now some people are going to come back. Okay. So let me ask you a question. What, what has been your biggest takeaway after doing all these interviews for nine weeks? What have you learned? It's the same thing I've learned doing these live events. It's not naive to say, and I do really think it's true. I think people really, really want connection. Mm. We need to feel connected with each other. We need to feel seen and heard. And if one person doesn't stand up and create the invitation, most people will stalemate and it's hard right we're still the 14 year old girl we always were standing in a room not knowing how to say hi i'm liz you know what i mean and so to create that safe space that invitation to truly communicate and be social with one another uh, i think everybody wants that and that's what we're really seeing through you know this um, pandemic is that people are going live and i actually think it's been very unifying Mm-hmm. This deep need to connect and communicate sitting in our living room. Um, obviously we're also going to use to stillness, but we do have this deep need to connect with each other and to feel, um, feel love for each other and feel seen and heard. So I guess the thing I take away is, is how much I really do love human beings and their struggle. Like I know my own struggle and I'm compassionate about the people that I love their struggle, but I'm thinking a lot about everybody and their, what they're going through. And, and I just really, I, I just have a great respect for humanity. Have you always been that way or how, did you go through like more of a, more of a self-centered phase and then realize that you needed to focus out to be happy? Well, I've always been self-centered <laughs> <laughs> and I've said we all, that's part of the struggle, right? Right. Of course. No, I think I was very lucky. I had a mom who was a deep seeker. She was a meditation teacher with Maharishi and my dad also taught meditation with her. And, you know, they're very, very different, but I do feel I had philosophically driven spiritual seeking. I had the type of parent who gave me the book, The Prophet, you know, at 16 by Khalil Gibran or, you know, so I was having this type of dialogue throughout my childhood. I've always been looking out how can I help you know what service can I do but the struggle right is that we're all narcissistic and we're all in our ego and we have to sort of constantly remind ourselves to you know get out of our own way yes you know so I don't know I think um I think we all have themes and patterns in our lifetime they remain our themes and pattern in our lifetime you know and that we have to stay you know diligent with ourselves 
you know, but, yeah. but like the Dalai Lama said it once in an interview, I thought it was so funny. Someone said to him, do you ever get angry? And he laughed. And then he said all the time, but I just moved through it. Yes. We're I'm not a perfect person. I'm full of flaws. And it's just the, it's just the desire to say to myself, I want to stay um, moving and growing. And so therefore I'm going to try to be as honest with myself as possible. So at least I don't lie to myself about my own progress. Now, since the theme of this show is social and you've been growing, you've been on the spiritual path since you were a teenager, what happens if you're in a friendship with another woman and you're growing and she's not growing and you feel like maybe she's kind of bringing you down? Have you ever had to walk away from a friendship? Absolutely. And I don't think it's really having to completely walk away. Here's what I think is a real problem is I think when people confront each other, with anger about wanting that person to be where you're at in your life. And we should just all kind of stay in our lane and stay focused on ourselves. And if we feel disappointed that someone's not growing at our own pace, we can also just step away without confrontation. We can say like, I choose to love you from a distance. And if they ask you, why have you distanced? I just feel that I'm going in a different direction and I love you. And if you want to have a deep conversation about that, that's loving and respectful. I'm willing to do that, but I in no way, shape or form want to criticize you or get into a finger pointing thing because the last thing I want is for you to point your finger back at me and for you to tell me a bunch of garbage that's going to go into my head and make me feel bad about myself. So I'm not going to do that to you. Mm. You want to have a loving conversation where we can really talk about where we're both at from our own perspectives. We can agree to disagree. But for now, I feel that I'm going in a different direction and I'm going to love you from a distance. That means that maybe at some point you may find each other again, mm-hmm. but you're self-preserving to the point where you're not, you're not trying to change that person and, and, and get all like twisted in your head about, I'm going to, I'm going to change you. And there, nobody else is our responsibility. We're our only responsibility. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about criticism because one of my favorite relationship teachers, Alison Armstrong, says that appreciation builds relationship and criticism kills relationships. So how do you feel about, I know you're a mom. How old is your daughter? She's 12. So how do you parent or how do you be a friend? Or I know you're engaged. How do you be a fiance without criticism? Like how do you deal with conflict? Well, you know, I think as far as, you know, telling Easton to do her work or to do things that are good for her, that she may perceive as criticism, it's my job to make sure that I give her the tools to have the best life possible. Mm -hmm. So that means like, I'd like her to eat healthy. I'd like her to exercise. I'd like her to do her homework. But um, I'd rather take the point of view when we're having deeper conversation about behavior that I say, these are my boundaries. These are boundaries I'd hope you want for yourself. You know, I'm not going to take a position of authority over you. I I hope we are friends in your adult life. I know you don't get that now, but I I hope you do eventually want me to come and be a part of your life when you're older. And, you know, therefore I have to show you respect, but just FYI, I'm a lot older than you and I have a lot of experience. And also, you know, I talk more from the point of view of like, instead of what's wrong with you, I, I want to give you the pearls of my wisdom. 
But I talked to Easton like this and probably for a really long time. I'm sure she's so tired of me and my philosophies. I mean, come on. She's probably like, Ugh, just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. You know? <laughs> well, I love that because I think I statements are very powerful when you're dealing with conflict because you makes people feel shame and blame. But if you just share from your own personal needs and your own personal experience, I think that that is a much more loving way to deal with conflict. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't think telling people, you know, what you think of them, you're, you know, who are we, we can only say how it makes us feel. Right. You know, when you do this, it makes me feel like this, that doesn't work for me in my lifetime. Like that's not, I don't, wouldn't want to be treated like that by anybody, not you, lover, partner, colleague, child, I wouldn't treat you like that. And if I have treated you like that, I apologize. And I'm trying my best to grow. So we become equal when we're trying to sort out a conflict, right? Right. And maybe, and maybe they really do have a problem and an issue they need to focus on. And it's less about you, but it's, you know, it's much easier to attract flies with honey and be like, okay, feel free to tell me how I make you feel don't tell me I'm wrong because much like the respect talks, the Rome reveals talks that you've come to, I'm not asking everybody to come be on the panel because I think we're all the same. Right. I don't think we're all the same at all. That's another thing I've discovered from all these talks and we're not all the same. Yes. We want love. That makes us the same. We all want to be respected. Mm -hmm. We're all very different. Your story is different from mine. Your pain is different from mine. Until I actually hear your pain and your story and your narrative, I'm not showing you respect. I love that. And I love that you have such a diversified panel. I'm really excited for the Zoom one. So keep me posted. So I want to uh, ask, how has your taste and friends changed as you've gotten older and more mature on your path? Like your best friend in high school versus your best friend today how has your taste in female friends changed over the years or has it stayed the same? I think on one hand it's stayed the same. I mean, I'm attracted to a fiery female, like, you know, that's the kind of woman I love as a friend. I'm not looking for a passive friend. I'm look, you know, I admire strength and beauty, like, you know, beauty and, and confidence and bravery. And that means I'm probably dealing with an A-type personality, you know, yeah. I'm probably an A-type personality, but I think as I've gotten older, I have also begun to want more peace. You know, I had a pretty tough childhood in some ways, and I feel conflict does not work for me in the same way that it used to. Drama does not work for the same as it used to. I have a lot of energy, and I do like a good conversation, and I can stay up really late and talk and talk and talk, but I'm not interested in conflict. Mm -hmm. So I think now I, I really am drawn more to women who are on a spiritual path that are, have some sort of conscious seeking the friendships where that's not a part of their life. And it, it's hard to resolve conflict. You know, if you don't have um, a desire to really grow. And it's shallow. I mean, it's kind of, if they're not on a spiritual path, if they're not seeking anything, it's just, very basic, very shallow. I, that's how I feel. Yeah. So I think in the past, I just liked always really strong, ex powerful, exciting women. And now I would say the same. I think my friends are dynamic and beautiful and they're forces of nature, all of them. 
but the friends I'm making in later life, I think do really have a, a spiritual center. It's just more relatable to me. I mean, you know, that's the priority in my life outside of Easton. I think spiritual practice is what kind of you were talking about going on this roller coaster of the quarantine, not knowing when it's going to end, not knowing like, where is the disease? Who has it? Who doesn't? Is it on this metal rail that I, I mean, there's so much uncertainty. What kind of spiritual practices are you doing to keep yourself on an even keel during this quarantine? Well, I think it's a spiritual practice unto itself to be willing to reinvent your entire career. I mean, if I have to emotionally or mentally accept the fact that I may not act for however long, that's what my, that's what I do for a living. So if I'm having to face that fear and that anxiety of loss and scarcity, but I'm meeting it with enthusiasm and curiosity to create an entire new life, I think that's pretty spiritual. I mean, yes, it's survival, but it's also you're 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 indulging, I guess, the positive versus the negative, right? So I think, you know, I wake up, I put on my chanting music or beautiful music, or you know, I open the blinds, like I do the things that bring me joy and try to like make it a very bright light until the first conflict shows up, which will inevitably happen, I'm sure, by nine in the morning. Do you know what I'm saying? But I try to keep things I try to do the things that make me happy. So I bring out my best side to Mm -hmm. Easton or to myself, my colleagues. And then, you know, when it comes to physical activity, I, I, I think I'm very drawn to mind body experiences. So, uh, during quarantine, I've been only cycling, Mm. but the cycling, even though it's a really, uh, tough physical activity, it's also mind body because you're outside in nature and you're, you know, you feel so free, you know, you're, you're, the wind is blowing through your hair and you're just like flying. I mean, you feel like a little kid and you're seeing nature, you know, I mean, you could do it hiking, but there's just something very empowering about cycling. So, you know, I'm just really trying to, you know, wake up in mind, body and spirit awareness, do it all day long, you know, try to do it through the evening. Even at night, I'm, you know, really journaling a lot about what I want to dream about and using even like the subconscious time to maybe process some old grief or old stuff. So when we get out of here, we didn't just clean our closets and our drawers, you know, we sort of like, ugh, like get rid of all of it. It, it is one, one thing's for sure. It's going to be a very new world. I'd like to like bring a new cell, like a, newer sense of self into that. Yeah. I love that. You're just like journaling and you're getting stuff out and that is how you get it out of your mind. Like there's magic in writing stuff down. I think that is so wonderful. So I, do you believe that networking events really help in Hollywood? I know there's so many, like, how does that work at your level? Is it all already who, you know, did you meet them through networking events? Did you meet them through your agent? Like, do you believe in them for up and coming people who are wanting to get their start in the industry? Well, I think that, you know, things that are intentional that are like that can be very helpful, right? You might meet a mentor, you know, you might meet a person that you suddenly spark with and you decide you're going to be creative together, you know, so being social does help. I, I mean, even just doing these lives every day, I've reconnected with old friends. I've made new friends 
And, you know, I've even, you know, even strengthened our friendship. So it's, you know, in the way, so we're being social, we're networking in a sense. Um, I don't tend to be somebody that goes out a lot at night. I've never really been a networker. I think, you know, a lot of those connections come through very, very good friends who aren't competitive with you and also through your representation who are going to make money off of you. Mm -hmm. Um, Just going out. um, I don't know. I think it's hard because I think everybody's out there for themselves anyway. So it's, you know, how, why are you going to be the one that they all want to try to help? You know, the also thing philosophically I believe is that what you're doing in business is really brilliant because I have the philosophy that if you build it, then they will come and you have complete ownership of what you're creating. Yeah. But I mean, you're inviting me into your space. Now, why wouldn't I want to help you? Right. That, you know, that sort of sense of creating something that's brick and mortar. That's, you know, is the best way to network, I guess is my point versus maybe like networking events. I agree. It's coming from contribution. Yeah. Then however it comes back, it'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, because I want my audience to see how fabulous you are. And on that note, how can people keep in touch with you? I know you mentioned your Instagram. I'll put that in the notes. Any other ways that you want people to keep in touch with you? No, that's basically it. I mean, I am starting a new beauty business called uh, Beauty with Liz. And you can go to beautywithliz.com. I am also on Instagram at Elizabeth Rome with an S-R-O-H-M. And I tend to really do a lot of, a lot on Instagram. So anything people need to know about me, they'll find there. And thank you so much for your time. I love. Oh, there's one more thing before we say goodbye. Cameo. So my former uh, agent, Ben Press. Yes. You linked up with this wonderful website called Cameo. So listeners, if you want uh, Liz to wish you or your family or surprise someone with a happy birthday, any message that's positive, you just sign up. I'm going to put the Cameo link on. That's great. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. And, And you guys can have a video message and and this won't be the end of your relationship with Liz. You can actually have her in your life and share her light with sure, everyone. We, we can talk about abundance, uh, coronavirus, birthdays, whatever. <laughs> we're all we're all dying for each other right now. We're all isolated, so we miss human beings. It's actually a really good time to do the cameos. It's really a good time. Well, Liz, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to see your next panel. And I'm so glad that we were able to share some time today. You're fabulous. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Balance, Beautiful, and Abundant. Thank you so much, Rebecca. The same back to you. You're beautiful and amazing. And you supporting me and coming to every single one of the talks. I you're like a light when I see you in the audience. Thank you so much. Well, I so believe in community and community builds immunity and we all want stronger immune systems right now. So keep up the great work in creating community here in LA and expanding to the whole world with your daily Instagram chat. So I look forward to seeing you tomorrow at one on your Instagram live and thanks so much for your time, Liz. All right. Thanks guys. Be safe. Bye. Bye. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, 
you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant.